AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Episode 371 with Caroline Jones. Known about her for a long time. She is the first female member of the Zach Brown Band. So she's been a solo artist, will remain a solo artist, but she's so proficient. And she was opening for ZBB and they were like, hey, why don't you be a member? Zach was. It's crazy. So I want you to hear the story from her. I mean, she plays so many instruments. She's basically a musical master and she lives in Nashville also Mike her story when she moved to New Zealand that's pretty crazy yeah for quite a while during the pandemic yeah and she said they didn't have pandemic there because they shut everything down so they got to roam freely it is a really good interview I really enjoyed the time and it all and it got to the point too where we started challenging each other which I enjoy the most a lot of back and forth (laughs) it's my favorite thing to do when I don't know that we weren't arguing but it was just like, oh, what about this point? Okay, I see your point. What about this? That's my favorite kind to do, honestly. It's so enjoy. Follow her at Caroline Jones, even if you just want to see what she looks like, because sometimes it's good to have a face when you're listening to this. And here we go. It is Caroline Jones, episode 371 of the Bobbycast. All right, we're here with Caroline Jones. Caroline, good to see you again. Likewise. I think we saw each other at the Opry recently. Yeah. And it's one of those weird things where you feel like you know somebody but maybe because you've only watched them on social media, you, I guess I don't know you as well as I felt like I did. Because, again, I think it's called like a parasocial relationship where you're watching somebody on social media and you're like, oh, look. And then when we met, I was like, I'm not sure if we've ever met in person or not. Yeah, we hadn't. And I'm a huge fan. Oh, I've thanks. been for a long time. And same, I feel like I know you. So I just went up and introduced myself. That was a fun night. I got to cover Copperhead Road. Oh, at the Opry. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I just remember thinking, I can't believe I hadn't met her yet because, again, I'd seen so much of what you were doing or who you're out with or you're playing shows and stuff. So um, it was really cool to officially meet you. Um, And then I'll just start with what was in my head first when I heard you were coming to do this was that, so are you playing with Zach now? Yes. So what's happening there? Okay, so... I am now an official member of the Zach Brown Band. So what does that mean? Because I saw that too. What does that mean? That means that I not only will tour with them now, but I'll also make their records with them and be involved in the studio process and 
any and all things that they do. And that's very interesting because you are such a strong artist yourself. Thank you. And you're also going to play with Zach. Like, what does that mean for your music world? Does that mean anything different? Are you still going to be Caroline Jones, front-facing artist that's writing songs and playing, or are you really going to be with Zach? 100%. No, I'll, I'll still be my own artist. And actually, when I kind of had this official conversation with Zach, or this heart-to-heart, if you will, that was really my only hesitation because I love playing with Zach Brown Band. It's an opportunity for me as a musician that is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And um, I've never been a sideman before. It's great discipline. It's great for my musicianship. It's great for me as an artist, singer, songwriter, performer. But if anyone knows like the pull that you have towards the conviction of your own dreams and your own artistry, it's Zach. You know, he understands that. He has been grinding away at that since he was teenager so that was really my only stipulation is like I just have to find a way if I'm going to say yes full-time and fully commit because also they deserve that because they're an incredible group of musicians that are fully committed to Zach Brown Band and I said I just have to find I have to find the balance really it's just time and scheduling sure um because I don't I feel that they're not mutually exclusive in the least like I feel that being in Zach Brown Band adds to my artistry, my musicianship. And me being a solo artist, the more tickets that I can pull, the more that I can add to their band, hopefully. And the better musician I am and artist I am, the more I can add to their band, whether it's musically, performance-wise, songwriting, any of that. So for me, I just feel like I hit the jackpot. What, um, what was the response when you had that a somewhat uncomfortable conversation of, yeah, this is awesome, but you know, what does he say to that? Well, Zach is a very straightforward uh, person, a very honest person, and he really values that over anything. Like, he's a very loyal person. Um, so I think he, hopefully that's one of the reasons that I'm in the band. You know, there's better musicians than me, better performers than me, but just the combination of that and feeling like family and someone that they can trust and that they trust the intentions of is, I think, a big part of it as well. Um and he just said that he understands and that it's something that he knows that I'll need to balance and that if and when I can't do both, that everyone in the band will be really happy for me. And I, again, it's like something that you just can't, you can't really script or, or try for that kind of like genuine friendship. It's like really a, a mutual because um, he he really championed me as an artist. Were you he was opening the first for person. them? Like how did how did he? Yeah, I, I would. That's what my assumption was. Yeah, that he saw you actually performing, and you are a multi instrumentalist, and you know we'll get to all that. But that's how he was exposed to you. Was yeah. He- so he was the first person to ever take me under his wing. I really owe the career that I have so far to touring. Um, Zach was the first person to invite me out on the road. I was supposed to open two shows for him, and ended up opening the whole tour and opening for them on and off for three years. And just became a good friend of theirs, kind of a, a part of their family, musical family. And like I said, it, th- those are my first big tours. So I felt like I had died and gone to heaven. <laughs> like, and that opened the door for me to open for Jimmy Buffett and Kenny Chesney and Faith Hill and Tim McGraw and other tours that I was able to get on because Zach had taken that chance on me. But then the pandemic happened. And so when everyone started announcing their tours again last year in 21, I just 
kind of assumed I'll just do my own thing. I was working on my second record and Zach just called me out of the blue and said, can you come out on the road with us and play some guitar and play some banjo and play some B3? And I was like, I don't play B3. And he's like, I don't know what B3 is. Uh, organ, sorry. Got it. And I was like, I don't play B3. And he's like, but you play keys, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you'll play B3 by August. <laughs> so I had to do like a B3 crash course. And Clay and Coy, who play B3 in Zach Brown Band, are just amazing B3 players. Um, so that was extremely intimidating, um, as if all the other stuff wasn't. But I was super surprised when he asked me to come out and tour with them. And so I came out and toured with them last year. And I remember we got to CMAs and some stuff like that. And he was kept asking me to come and like be in their pictures. And I was like, what is, cause I just thought I was kind of a side man in the group on the road. And he kept asking me to different opportunities and like dream scenarios, like playing on the CMAs with them. And I just couldn't believe it. And then um, just recently we kind of made it official. And we'll come back to that. Cause definitely to me, not your identity. That was just the newest thing that I, I guess I read about you in the last couple of days. And I was like, dang, I'll ask her about that as soon as we get started. But I do, I think, my audience who listens to this, they're they're really curious about how people got here, you know, and not just, you know, what's the last three songs you wrote, but like, where did you grow up? You know, what's the, what was the family dynamic like for you? Yeah. And, and when did you start playing music and, and who kind of pushed you into doing music or encouraged you to do music? Well, I don't really come from a musical family. I grew up just outside of New York City in the Northeast. So not listening to country music at all. My dad is from Memphis. He's a country boy. But I didn't grow up listening to country. Uh, and I grew up really just with a love for writing, for poetry. That's how it started for me. And as soon as I learned to read, I would just write all day. I've always been kind of an introverted person. And when I was about like nine or 10, I started singing in school. And then I begged my parents for singing lessons. And realized that I could put all those poems and stories to music and never wanted to do anything else after that. Um, Were you playing anything at 9 or 10? Did you no. take any piano lessons or anything? I, I took piano lessons as a kid, but I wasn't super B3 into lessons? it. B3 lessons? No. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like a four-year-old on the, doing gospel organ? Um, no. But I actually, I had started writing songs and I started demoing them. I had a manager around like 16, 17. And he said, you know, your music's kind of, your songs are kind of country, like the sensibilities are kind of country pop. And I was like, what? I couldn't, I just didn't, I hadn't grown up listening to that. I, the extent of country that I knew was like Shania Twain. Um, and he was like, yeah, you should really go down to Nashville. So I went down to Nashville and I went to a show with the Bluebird and that was it for me. Was so like, organically your writing style was like poetry. It was authentic. It was country music. I think so. I mean, I had some sensibilities there. I wouldn't really say that I was country and definitely not consciously. But I think that when I came down here and I went to a show at the Bluebird and I saw, because I loved like Joni Mitchell, Bob Dylan, Jewel. Like, like, what people will call Americana now. Yeah. And I didn't realize that there was a whole genre of music that was built around authenticity, that was built around storytelling and musicianship. And when I saw the people at the Bluebird, the songwriters... I think I saw Leslie Satcher like tell a story about how she wrote a song and I was like this whole town is full of people like that and I just could not get enough and so when I went back home after that trip I started at the Carter family and went all the way forward and just listened to every country artist and um started with old country and like I said went all the way to present day 
I just fell in love with it. And it's cool. It's a cool age to fall in love with it, like 18, 19, 20, because you're so, you know, that's the music that really makes an impression on you. Um, and I just became a student of it and fell in love with it. And uh, I wouldn't say I'm traditional country by any stretch, but I love country music. I, lo I especially love old country music. And I feel like that was the missing piece of my songwriting artistry. Yeah, I would say I discovered that, that most really good country artists aren't traditional country. Because traditional country is always evolving. And when there is any sort of evolution, there's new people coming in or new styles that actually supplement a genre. Absolutely. Well, and in this day and age, you know, purism is kind of a lost art form. And I think that's why these past few years you've seen the rise of traditional country more, which is such a cool resurgence. I love seeing that. Um, but in this day and age... None of us in this generation grew up listening to one kind of music or one genre of music. I mean, that's true. That's download and streaming. It's Napster. Right. You know, I say that too about even my career where I was very fortunate that when I was a teenager, Napster existed and yeah. popped up while I was in college. And because I had all those influences at that exact time of my life and what I wanted to do, I was young for my job, but I knew all these different types of music. I was kind of the first generation. And it you was, were one of your audience. Yeah. It was, I was yeah. one of the first generation that was influenced by everything, Yes, but still knew who I was yeah. and said, hey, I'm this, but I also have all, yeah. all these outside things that are affecting me at this point, and that's okay. Well, because music and media used to be regional. So where you grew up, that's what you heard, and or that's what you knew. tapes and CDs, right? right. It was, they, they sent it to the Right. Walmart or the music store in, in the Southeast. Right. You're exactly right. Yeah. They mostly got country records. And what was on your radio station mm. was what was popular in your area. And same with news. I mean, even the information, the amount of information that we consume now is so unnatural compared to what you would have known about your town, your community, you know, 50, 100 years ago. It's and wild. It is. And that's a great point. I love it. And I often, I won't say argue, but I often have healthy debates about a similar type subject. And even when it comes to country music and at the evolution of it in general, where the first time that Bob Wills had an electric steel in his band, people started screaming, that's not country. Yeah, or drums at the Opry at, with Johnny Cash. At the first Cash. time they played drums. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're looking at all, it, and you see it happen so many times over and over again, you would think that people would go, oh, we should stop doing that. <laughs> but they don't. But, you know, I have a theory about this. because I feel like country... Now, there's lots of traditionalists in every industry and in every And genre. we need them. Yes. We, we need them. Absolutely. But I feel like country has a lot to protect, even more than, say, a genre like pop, where lots of trends come and go. Like, I feel like country has a family feel and a legacy that is the cornerstone of the genre. And so I feel like that's why old habits can sometimes die harder in this genre, because I feel like there is a lot of integrity and a lot of values to protect. And I don't know if some, a lot of other music genres have that, but definitely not ones as commercial as country. I can agree with you in that you need traditionalists because if not, you'll see, you know, you're, you have two sides constantly pulling. And if you don't have traditionalists, yeah. you don't it, have an identity. It goes, it, yeah. It's completely lost. But yeah. if the traditionalists, traditionalists hold on so tight and it doesn't, at all advance or progress, it dies. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's a creative 
art. <laughs> yeah, it's, the, it's the, <laughs> like that's what it is. It's, it's the, so con- funny it's that I'm struggle. arguing for tradition. Like, if anyone who knows me would be like, Caroline's arguing for the traditionalists right now, they would laugh because I I'm I'm very creatively free, and I'm so grateful to live in a time where artists like me can exist more. And it's, what's funny again on the opposite side of that is I grew up so traditional. <laughs> With absolute traditional yeah. country music values yeah. because my grandmother raised me on absolute traditional country music and gospel. But the more I've been around it, outside the industry and inside, and then you just look at it over time and you see that every generation, and I've been lucky enough too to talk with a lot of artists who have been affected in a negative way at the time and told you're not country and made to feel right. less than I can go through. I can go through Garth. Any of them, yeah, yeah. You can go through the even newer ones with yeah. like an Al Dean when he's first here, a Sam most yeah. recently, Dan and Shay. But then you can go to Garth. You can go to all of the Waylon and all those guys. You can go to Patsy Cline. You can go to strings. Bob. You can go to Bob Wills when they put an yeah. electric steel and they're like, "You're <laughs> yeah. not country." Yeah. So imagine if the traditionalists won all those. Yeah. Imagine that we'd have no steel guitar, no electric steel guitar. You'd only be able to hear it for twenty feet. You'd have no drums. Let's see, great art wins and, and great artists Absolutely. win. Absolutely. I yeah. agree with that. I just think sometimes... It takes a while. <laughs> it, sometimes it shouldn't be like you're trying to escape prison. Right. To, get a, a, to get a chance. It can feel like that. Yeah, it can feel like that. I also think great... Yes, and when you say great art wins, I, I don't think great art succeeds without it being good. Meaning I don't think you can throw a bunch of synth and electronic and hip-hop on country music and just be like, well, that's going to do good. No, it's got to be good. As yeah, and well it's got to come from a genuine absolutely. creative place, which is like what's happened the past 10, 15 years. Is, I mean, you can argue that there's lower quality music made with that, but there's lower quality music made with real instruments. So it's not about that. There's amazing, creative, innovative music that has come out with programmed drums and synth pads and stacked mm-hmm. vocals and it's just par for the course when you look at where pop music is i would also say the same argument i real i'm already really enjoying this conversation this is like next this is like the stuff i like talking about me too i could talk about this stuff all day i would also say that when with the advent of the electric guitar the same conversation was had. yeah just the advent of it yeah. where they're like whoa, whoa that's not the same you you can hit one note and it holds well this is not the same this is cheating yeah the same thing that's being said about computers the same thing that will be said about it is so cyclical and it repeats itself yeah. over and over again i guess sometimes i just go how are people not seeing that it's the same argument over and over and over and it's not wrong it doesn't mean it's right but it's not wrong well and just because it's your taste right or not your taste or not what you grew up with or not conventional doesn't mean it's wrong and i i think especially as i i'm in my 30s now and i feel like I, i'm vowing to myself to just try to stay open minded the older that I get because young people always get it because they're living it. They're the ones innovating. And not that I'm not young, (laughs) but I think you being an innovator in your field, it allows you to see that in another field in art in a way that a lot of people who maybe don't allow themselves to think innovatively or creatively can. Yeah. I just want to be allowed to be wrong. Honestly, that's what it is because if we're allowed to try things and be wrong, it, makes the rights so much yeah. better, stronger, purer, more. Uh, if That's have, a hard lesson to learn sometimes, but it's so, especially in creativity. If you have the opportunity to stretch yourself out yep. and you're not going to die if you fail, right. you try things and with effort in a new creative comes really fantastic things, but also really, tur- yeah. I mean, big turds too, honestly. And, and you need people around you 
who are creatively open that way because it's really hard if you have that kind of spirit and that kind of mind and that kind of heart and everyone around you saying no play it safe do this this works this you know this is commercial this and as an artist that's a constant struggle that you have to and then you find a tribe of people who support you and want to try things but it's supposed to be fun and creative and exciting mm-hmm. yeah i like that i do you have anyone because i the last five years or so i have really opened my i've been secure enough in the last five years to open myself up to go hey what am i doing that sucks Mm. Not not to the world because they'll tell me all the time every day. Right. I get that. That's fed to me with a spoon every yeah. five minutes. And you can't discern what's true in that. Right. And it is an opinion. Right. So it's nothing is true. Nothing is false. But it's mostly from people who are going to spend their time doing that. Those aren't necessarily the right. people you want to give validity to. So let me ask you, who tells you and who do you believe when you're like, this is what I'm doing. This is what This is my aim. This is what I did. Where am I there? Who do you trust? Because you can't have 50 people you trust. Who do you trust? And are you good at listening to people's idea and ideals of your art? (laughs) That's a different one. Mm -hmm. Um, I would truly say the first person I trust is myself. Like even if someone says it's really good and I know that I can do better, I know it's not. um, I really trust myself there creatively. And I trust myself on what feels true and authentic. Um, but I can also go down a real rabbit hole of being my own echo chamber and being super self-critical. So I trust, I would say two people. I trust um, my manager and business partner, Rick Wake. Uh, Creatively? Yeah. And I trust my husband. My husband, um, I, I'm a newlywed. I got married, gosh, I guess almost a year ago now. Yeah, congratulations. Um, Me too. Thank That's you same, so yeah. much. Um and I had never thought I would get married and never thought I would settle down or any of those things. But I've come to trust him creatively as much as I trust him in any other area of life. Because not only will he tell me if he doesn't like something, like he'll always tell me the truth. I, I, there's lots of people who will tell me that their truth, their opinion. But he'll also really push me outside of my comfort zone. And that's something that I've, with everyone else in my life, I've always been able to guard around or like avoid. Um, and he just knows all the back hallways of my mind and will actually like go straight at it and say, no, you need to push yourself here or challenge yourself this way or get out of your comfort zone here. Like your opinion isn't the be all and end all of everything. Like maybe there's more to you that you don't know about yet. And so I've really appreciated that. And I will listen to him in a way that I won't listen to anyone else. That's great. I bet it's difficult. I know it's difficult because I deal with that too. And I can tell you I had a show on Saturday night. And so I do this like hour-long show that I kind of wrote. And it's comedy, but it's also inspiration. It's called Comedically Inspirational. And I, I wrote it. And it's kind of uh, a different cool. type show. It's got – I'd never seen a show like it, which meant it could have been a disaster. could have right. been amazing. And it kind of started off slightly more on the disaster side. But now <laughs> we've, done, we've done – Pushing towards Yeah, the- it's, it's <laughs> now it's getting pretty good. But um, I have a couple jokes that I do during the set because it's a mixture of stand-up and – Kind of motivational speaking, and my wife's like, "You shouldn't do this joke anymore." And I, it it kills every time. And I was like, you know, but everybody always laughs because you're just, you're just better than that joke now. And I'm like, mm. I'm like, yeah, but everybody laugh like that's a big big laugh in yeah. the room. And she's like, you're right, it is a big laugh. She goes, but you could slip on a banana peel out there too, and people would laugh at that. <laughs> and she's like, you're better. like it's low hanging fruit. She means that, that's exactly what she said. She's yeah. like, it. They laugh, but. You are far better than that. Mm. So I would say, please don't. And I'm like, I'm doing the joke. I, I told her, I said, I'm doing the joke. Yeah. I'm doing the joke. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm doing the joke. 
And then I get out and now it's in the back of your mind. Well, then I'm like, if I ha- once I have five minutes not being what I feel, um, being defensive or threatened, which I'm not being threatened at all. She's just, we have this relationship where I ask her to say stuff and then she says it and I'm like, oh, that hurts my feelings. And then I get over it real quick and go, wow, that was great. She said that to me. I didn't do the joke. So I, rem- I didn't do the joke, didn't say the joke, got off stage, everything was good. And I said, I didn't do the joke. And she goes, I noticed, good job. And I was like, dang, she never does a good job. And so, <laughs> and she does. But, you know, it's kind of a similar thing where I trusted her mm-hmm. to say, you know what, I think you're a little better than that. Even though everybody else thinks that's pretty good. She goes, I think you're, I think you're better than it's that. It's really nice when someone challenges you and is honest with you. It just, I mean, even in business, in creative relationships, all kinds of relationships, um, sometimes it's hard to be honest with other people. But whenever anyone's honest with me, I really appreciate it. And, um, Do you appreciate it immediately? Because sometimes I get defensive because I feel like I'm being threatened or they think I'm uh, not worthy or less than. And then I appreciate oh, yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's part of being an artist is like you immediately take everything personally. Like Because it's personal you assume from us. the worst. And also you just assume the worst, you know? Like if someone gives you constructive criticism, you're, I always like you almost take it like – you read too far into it. Like they're trying to say all these bad things about you or how you have all these weak, like I'll go way down the rabbit hole there. But if I can get over that, like you said, and if I can look past that um, to the actual suggestion that they're trying to give or the truth that they're trying to tell, then you can take that and you don't have to take that as, you know, holy grail. But when you find people who really, really get you and are truly in your corner and get your mission and then are giving you advice and telling you their opinion, like my husband or Rick, that that's the best. I don't think I'll ever mature to the point where I'm just like, give me all the bad stuff. But I do feel myself growing in that even though it hurts the same, I can also have a little conversation going, you know, in like 20 minutes, you're going to really value this. Yes. Yeah, I have that. Yeah, I it, just have to go away with a little bruised ego, then come back and mm-hmm. talk about it more. I guess it's it's easier to fight back from the bruise because the bruised ego is a great thing. You have a, you have a bruised ego. Yeah. It's easier to fight back from the bruise if you know that. And if you're smart, like I'm not in an arrogant way, but I'm smart and you're smart. Like you can def- you can defend yourself really well and you can justify yourself really well and say why you're right. But in the end, you don't grow that like that. And you know what? Usually, even though I've presented the excellent argument, I'm not right. Right, exactly. You know? Like I'll present the argument that I'm right yeah, and you'll yeah. walk away going, dang, he was right. But I'm walking away going, yeah. God, yeah. I, I'm so wrong. Yeah, or you're just feeling insecure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh, it's cool that you have that with your husband. It's so cool because I never had it like, before. Is he creative? Does he have a job that's at all creative? No, he loves music. I mean, he's a huge music fan. He has a great ear. And he always says it's great because he has no idea what he's talking about. So he's like from a layperson's perspective. Which means he's also not jaded by. Exactly. Mm. Um, he's a professional sailor. So he sails boats around the world, which is really cool. That he's, means he's probably cultured then in an interesting way. Very much so. He's yeah. lived literally everywhere, like Middle East, Australia, Africa, Asia, Europe. I want to ask a question about one of your songs. I, I Listen, we could do this for two hours. Just talking about theory of mute. I'm I'm down. All of okay. this? Yeah. Like, I feel like we could just dial in, but I just have so many questions that when I knew you were coming that I made notes to ask. First, this may be a weird question yeah. to you. Um, I want to go, Mike, play, mm, play Come In, and then 
I have a question about the clearing, the throat clearing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, can you play that? Come mm-hmm. <clears> in. <throat> that, that's, that's all I need for there. So, do it one more time, please. <clears throat> okay, there's always a conversation about yeah. this after it's recorded because my assumption, just let me assume for a second and you can correct me or not. My, correction, my assumption is you're just doing the thing where, <clears throat> all right, and then you start. Well, now you have it on tape and do you hear it back and go, you know what? Somebody, so who goes, that could be cool to leave in. Or the whole time was that the plan? The latter. That was actually with that particular song. Sometimes you get cool accidentals that um, end up making it. But with that song, I had actually written it like that. Like I'd okay. started like, <clears throat> and um, I don't know. It's like a, a very like sassy a, <clears throat> song. Hello, hello. Like yeah, kind of like, excuse I'm me. Here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's a very sassy song. And I kind of wrote it as a joke, like very tongue in cheek. It's a very old country lyrical trope to like take a colloquialism like come in and make yourself comfortable and flip it like that's the oldest country lyric trick in the book i love that and so um when i knew i was writing a song with that i just i wanted to make it sassy so that's why i started with the throat clearing that's why i asked it's so funny now though because in sound checks if i ever go like or whatever like my whole band will go come in (laughs) (laughs) because we're just so used to it what do you play if i were to put it in front i'm not saying play at the level that you deem play, because there's a difference. Mm-hmm. But what can I put in front of you? And you could play a couple songs. What instruments? Um, banjo, guitar, dobro, harmonica, and piano. The harmonica, what point did you learn to play that? I'd say in my early 20s, I was doing solo acoustic shows at like high schools and colleges all over the Northeast. And so I started picking up different instruments to try to make my show more interesting because nothing is more humbling than playing in front of a bunch of like six-year-olds and they're like snotting their nose (laughs) and like falling asleep. So I just tried to pick up, like I picked up the six-string banjo first and then I um, got really into like old blues for a while in my early 20s and um, started playing in the open tunings um, and realized that that's the same way a banjo is tuned or a dobro and then... So it just organically happened. But initially, I started picking up those instruments to try to make my solo show more interesting. And then when I got really into production and came here and did a session with Mac McAnally and some of the A-list players here and saw the level of musicianship that they have, and I just got fascinated by knowing everything about production. Because I used to hear records when I was a teenager and be like, how the hell do they make it sound like that? Like just sounds huge like how do they make a chorus explode like that like what instruments are in there it's like eating food and being like what ingredients make it taste like this and um and so when I got really into production and into the Nashville studio scene that's when I took improving my instrumental abilities more seriously because I wanted to know how the layers fit together and how to produce. If America was going to say, okay, we're all getting together at 7 o'clock, all of America, mm-hmm. we're all getting together at 7 o'clock, we're going to watch Caroline play an instrument, and we're going to critique her, what instrument do we hand oh, you? <laughs> Crap. Um, probably guitar or piano. Probably guitar. Probably guitar? Yeah, because I ta- that's what I spend the most time on. Do you feel strongly that – where would you rate your guitarness? If, let's say I'm giving you a report card overall, yeah. A through F. What, what kind of are you an honor roll student? Are you an A minus student, A plus student? You mean in terms of my work ethic or no, in terms of my if, ability? I have no. I, I'm not assigning it in any way. Of, <laughs> Can you tell? I'm just saying we hand. I'm you not a an star. anal person. <laughs> um, are you an A? Are you an A? No, player? I wouldn't say not in this town. No, no, I, I wouldn't say I'm an A student. Um, 
gosh, if I'm comparing myself to like my heroes, I'd say I'm a solid C plus. So she's probably a B plus bordering A minus because she's also smart enough to know that you got to play down just a little. Well, yeah, you definitely don't want to, especially in this town, you don't want to yes. oversell yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, for sure. I've seen you play. I think you're a solid A. Thank I, you even very much. In, even in this town. I was just going to see what you would say. That's very nice. Um, I, there's so many incredible musicians in this town. But other musicians and incredible say that about you too. Like, they say that you are a great player. Wow. Well, that means a lot to me. And and being in the Zach Brown band, to me, like, that's such a huge seal of validation musically because I have nothing but more to learn from each and every single one of those guys. They're not only amazing musicians, but they fit so well together. They really know how to fit into a mix. And actually I've learned so much just this year, just playing shows with them. Cause I kind of got thrown in, like we never rehearsed or anything. They were just like, <laughs> the first time I played like 85% of the set with them, they rehearsed a couple of songs. Of, from their new album, but like 85% of the songs they play on stage, the first time I ever played it with them was in front of like 25,000 people. So what do they say? Just learn it and ride along? Yeah. Yeah. And and they, and they I also have like a database of songs that they might play because they change their set list every night. So I kind of had to prioritize. Like they're like, we'll definitely play these songs and then we might play these other 30. So I had to be like, okay, well, I, I remember the first night that they, because I knew it was coming at some point, they covered Bohemian Rhapsody, which is like, not a joke. <laughs> I've seen I've seen them do it before. It's it's great. It's awesome, it's but yeah, it's, it's a freaking hard song to play and sing. There's lots of not only tempo changes but key changes. And and I remember the first night, and Zach was like, "You you got this one? Like, are you okay?" And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> but I um I was like, I knew that day was coming at some point, but I'd kind of learned it kind of because I knew that they played that rarely. They used to play it a lot more, but it was kind of out of the rotation. But yeah, so a lot of that, the point that I was trying to make is that just learning last year, because there's eight people on stage, it's full. It's a full band, like it's a full sound, it's a full mix. So learning how to fit in, like what part do I play that I can even be heard, you know, or that adds a little bit to the song, because they don't really need much, if anything. Um, they definitely don't need me. So um, that's been a great lesson in production too, and, and instrumentation. I was talking to John Mayer once, and... He had just started playing with the Grateful Dead. Mm -hmm. And he said it was the most nervous he had been because, one, he had to go and learn all these songs. So he took his guitar and he went to Montana, holed up, and just learned all these songs. And was nervous as he practiced, was nervous as he played with them the first <laughs> yeah. time because it wasn't his. There right. was a different type of nerve about him screwing up Responsibility. Some, somebody yeah. else's baby instead of his own. Yeah. Well, and especially because he's filling in for an iconic player with a very iconic voice like a very particular voice and and that fan base is is um very very dedicated but i'm comparing this a little bit to you you're not filling in for an iconic player but you are with a band who i think is the greatest country group of all time and i also think that they have fans in a similar fashion that are so dedicated mm -hmm. that if you weren't just up to the elite standard that ZBB presents, they would let you know and it probably wouldn't be fun. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, that's terrible to think about. Well, I, if anything, I'm just overly, like I like to over-prepare. I like to um, be overly respectful and, and um, 
Pressure? Is there pressure that you oh, don't normally yeah. have when you're by yourself, when you're playing with them? Is my point. Did you feel a different kind of pressure now that you are taking care of somebody else's kid, not your own? Definitely feel a different kind of pressure. But in some ways, I feel like I'm more suited to that. It pushes me harder. I have to get out of my comfort zone more as my own artist. Like one thing I know how to do is if someone assigns me something, says, learn this, be ready for this. Like I can do that. I'm really, really, I have a strong work ethic that way. Um, in terms of the responsibility that I feel to them and to their fans and to the music, I don't know that it, I don't want to say it just comes naturally to me. Like I, I will work my butt off to make sure that I do a good job for that. Um, like I would for my own music, or like I do for my own music. Um, so the pressure there isn't as strong as if I'm ever out front and center with them, like where they're really counting on me for a specific part or a specific performance or something like that, then I definitely feel more nervous. But mostly I just feel lucky to be on stage with them, like trying to fit in. And it's really actually quite a creative endeavor because like I'm trying to figure out how to fit into their mix and what I add, like what I can bring and contribute. You moved during the pandemic to another country, right? New Zealand. Okay, well, yeah. Well, I, 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 okay, I didn't know it was New Zealand. I knew it was somewhere. Yeah. But New Zealand had the crazy strict lockdown. Yes. So why New Zealand and how did you get in? And give me that contact. Yeah, yeah. this is a great story, actually. So I met my husband during the pandemic. I was always super career focused, like 100% music. Like I wasn't that social, didn't have that many like relationships, never really dated around. And like I said, never thought I would get married just was 100% into my career. And I met my husband at the beginning of the pandemic. And um, we'd known each other about six weeks before he's like, I have to move to New Zealand for a year to be in the America's Cup, which is kind of like the Super Bowl of sailing. And um, they get down there a year before to train in the place. And um, all my tours had been canceled. I was supposed to tour that year with various artists and it was all canceled and I'm just sitting at home. And so I ended up going with him. We were, he went like three or four months and then I, I moved and met him. I didn't know I was moving at the time. I thought I was going to visit him, but then I just never came home for like eight months. Wow. And it was so cool, Bobby, because it was like having a gap year when you're 30. Like it was like being suspended in time. Like we didn't have jobs. I mean, he had a job. <laughs> I was where I was over in New Zealand, like a tourist, like a kid, like just have it. And so in love. I mean, I'm sure you can relate, but when you meet your person, it's the best feeling in the world. And, um, and so I went over there, I was able to get a visa through his team, like a spousal visa. Um, even though you weren't his girl, spouse? Yeah. For his girlfriend of two months. <laughs> And um, so I went over to New Zealand and as you said, they had a really strict lockdown. I had to quarantine in a hotel for two weeks. And that's when my family and everyone was like, okay, Caroline is in love. Like she's sitting, <laughs> she's sitting in a hotel room in New Zealand for two weeks for this guy. Um, and then, but once you got out, there was no COVID. There was no masks. There was no lockdown. There was no cases. If they had like two cases in the whole country, they just shut the whole place down for like a week. They'd shut the whole place down. Um, and you know, you can argue now in retrospect that maybe that wasn't that smart, but at the time it was amazing. It was so cool. And guys, New Zealand is. Yeah. I've only landed there to go to Australia. So I, I you know, haven't actually you gotta done spend any. Time. I mean, it's, it's the most beautiful place in the world. Were you guys like bebopping in a camper, like a camper van yes. through? Yeah. So once, so, um, they actually got eliminated quite early. 
he's going to laugh at this conversation, but they got eliminated um, from the America's Cup. And so we had two months in New Zealand when now he didn't wasn't working. So he got a camper and we went around North Island and then we went around the South Island. Did he have to stay? Um, no, but nobody wanted to go home. Got it. Was it. Pandemic so you in America. Cho- yes. And I, um, I completely understand and would have done the same thing. But <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if there's like a rule, like you kicked off Survivor, they don't let you go home yet, so people know. <laughs> no, they got they had their visas through April, through the end of the cup if they had won. So, so you got to it stay. It was sad, but it was also good that they lost because we got to explore and what he say it was good they lost? Um Maybe there were That's positive a elements. Good question. That's a good question. I don't know. Because in some ways he would say it was because we got to go. He loves surfing and he got to go surfing for two months. Yeah. <laughs> but in other ways, obviously, he, he wishes they didn't lose. Um, it's an, you know, it's an amazing race and amazing sailing is a really cool, like small niche world. That's pretty intense. Pretty cool. I'm going to ask you a tough question. Yeah. Probably the toughest question you've ever been asked. Oh, good Lord. I know. Okay. And I, I'd like an answer. Okay. And not at one big pivot, because that happens occasionally. But of all the tours you've been on, who has the best catering? That's okay. right. The food, the dinner. Okay, well, I have to answer Zach Brown Band, but that's also the truth. Um, Let's remove the band you're in now. Okay, remove it. To, like, uh, Kenny, Tim and Faith. Uh, uh, Do you stuff with the Eagles? Yeah. Okay. Can you believe that? Uh, uh, Buffett. Who had the best, when you went, you're like, wow, come on, this is what I'm talking about right here. All this food, all the options. I would say Faith and Tim. I only did a couple shows with them, but that was pretty amazing. Uh, honestly, their whole setup was really top-notch. Like, mm. it was beautiful. Um, but everyone has, I, I'm very grateful for everyone's options. But honestly, Zach Brown Band has the best. Like, they're known for their catering. You even after now that they don't do their eat and greets anymore, but they still have really good catering. Yeah, Zach has like to have good known. food. Yeah. Part of the brand. Yeah, it is. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's part of the brand. We opened for Garth, and he had like 11 types of cake, and I was like, this is it. Nothing yeah, they better. have. They regularly have like three or four or five dessert options on Zach Brown. Tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing like 11. When they have that many types of cake, you know everything else is going to be good. Yeah, too. exactly. <laughs> okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. 
With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to reu hotels and resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Uh, did you write your own vows? I'm always curious about that as an artist and a writer. Did you write your own vows when you got married? Yeah, we wrote them the morning of. We He, he did too? He wrote yeah. his? Yeah. Um, we kind of eloped, I guess you could call it. We had like a wedding window. We never wanted to have a big wedding. Um, and we had what we called our wedding window. We were like, we know we have this time off. We know we're traveling and we'll just feel the feels and get married when it feels right. And um, because of the... Was it the Delta? I can't remember the last variant. But last year, um, we were supposed to go out of the country, and we ended up not being able to because we had a New Year's Eve show with Zach Brown Band, and I didn't want to get stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we ended up going to Colorado, to our friend's house in Colorado, and we got married, like, on the top of a cliff in the snow. So cool. I saw Just that very on, last I saw minute. Instagram. Yeah, very last minute. And But it was... It's so funny. People see the pictures and it looks like it was like planned by like a wedding. Plan. I thought like, it, it was. looks so yeah. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but we planned it in like two or three days because we just said I if I already had a ring from engaged being engaged. And so I just said, if I get him a ring and I get a dress, and we just travel with that. We can get married anywhere. Um, and so, yeah, the morning of he trekked, he and a couple of our friends trekked all this stuff up the mountain and um, we wrote our vows in the morning and I was freezing. We had like a like a stand up tent where because we had to um, not snowshoe. It's called skin. We had to skin up the mountain to get there. There's like no road. Um, it's not like a long. It was like 15 minutes. But in all our snow gear, and then I had to change into my wedding dress in like this stand up tent at the top of the mountain. <laughs> and then because we knew once I put that on, like the clock was ticking because it was like 12 degrees. And so I just. It was so cold, just shivering and crying and shaking and sobbing my way through my vows. But it was really beautiful. It was really special. And it was just, it was me and him and three other people. Um, that really does sound great. Yeah. I know you're like, oh, it's cool. it sounds great. It sounds like a really yeah. personal. It was beautiful. It was so beautiful. Yeah. I wouldn't have done it any other way. And he's a real, like he has a real heart for adventure. So having it be very last minute and we did, it was very DIY. And so it's very special to us. You do a show similar to this where you talk about music and songwriting. Who do you like? Who have you spoken with? And you leave and you go, wow, I, I really, en- not that I didn't expect, you know, just not enjoy it, but I let, wow, look at this. This is actually a lot of fun. Like, who was the most unexpected positive? I wouldn't experience? say she was unexpected, but at the time that I spoke to her and interviewed her, I didn't know about her as much as I know now. Um, Amanda Shires. She's so talented, and she's a really, really deep, smart person. Um, I love talking to her, but I love, like, I could talk about this stuff forever. I love talking to artists and musicians and intellectuals about this stuff. Um, I love podcasts, like, long-form podcasts. I'm so glad that that's a, that's a commercial art form now because I just, I can listen to those all day. Yeah, same. It's almost like I need it in two ways, 10 seconds or an hour and 28 minutes. Yeah. And I don't want anything anymore. I don't want a yeah. seven-minute thing. 
I need it quick, like a TikTok, or I want yeah. a long form podcast that I can just spend time and invest yeah. in. Isn't it fun? Like I'll go for like a hike or something and just turn on like a two or three hour podcast with someone that I really respect or I'm interested in and I'm just on the edge of my seat the whole time. I just, so, I love that stuff. Well, in the same way too, you feel like you have a relationship with these people yeah. because you spend so much time with them. You know, I mentioned social media and what's that called that parasocial relationship. The same thing with listening to a podcast. Like I have a podcast that I listen to where I've never met the people but I feel like I know them yeah. and they're my friends. Yes. Well, that's how I feel about you. That's how I feel about lots of Zane Lowe or folks I listen to mm -hmm. who I think are just amazing interviewers. And same with artists. Like when artists really open up their chest and are human on these podcasts, it's so refreshing. Say the name of your last record. Antipodes. <laughs> See, you're smart. Most people try to say it and they're like, antipodes? Mm. I wasn't going to try. But I knew no one would say it right, and I knew no one would know what it meant. I mean, that was kind of part of the appeal for me. Antipodes is a term for, for basically New Zealand, Australia, for the opposite side of the world. My mom's Australian, so I'm half Australian. And um, obviously New Zealand is really special to me and my husband, especially with that record. I wrote and recorded a lot of it there. How did you record it there? Did you do like a little track situation, or did you go into a studio? We did both. Um, and we were Zooming with my um, engineer and producer here. Um, so it you was, just feed that through? You can, yeah. I mean, it's pretty high tech. Like, the way that we ended up working it out, um, my engineer um, is, is kind of a ninja, and he worked it so we had, like, zero latency. He could mm. hear everything. Wow, how do you get zero um, latency from that far? I, I know. can't even play PlayStation with my buddy down the road. Well, we had it. to use like three <laughs> PlayStation. Down. We had to use like three or four different. Um, obviously, we were recording through Pro Tools, but we were recording there. So the Pro Tools, like the DAW was there. And then through Zoom, you could talk like in a room. But then we had this other thing going called Audio Movers where you could listen in real time with little to no latency. There, were, there, were, there was a lot going on. Yeah, it sounds like it. I'm trying to think if, you know, what would be cool is if you... Because again, if you can record, let's say we record here, and yeah. sometimes I do the show from here, and some of the other guys are in their studio, or I'm in another state, right? Yeah. I, I travel a lot and do the, do the show, the radio show. And, you know, even then there's a little bit of latency, but we can work from two different places and hear each other. But it would be cool if musically there was some sort of translator, and maybe there is, where you can play a note and it understands it, and it doesn't have to actually send the note. It can send the data from the note and the, the tone through, you know, one's a nose to the other maybe that's a thing where you can translate music well, from far away i'm not a i'm not a, a tech head to the degree that you're discussing now i have <laughs> mds and, and engineers who are who could answer that question much better than i can i know you can't physically play with no latency with someone else in another state or country yet as far as i know and someone correct me if i'm wrong um but what you're talking about is basically like what MIDI is, you know, where you play a note and it recognizes it um, and interprets it in a computer. So I'm sure that we're getting to where you're getting to the the place that you're talking about. I just don't think we're there yet. Like you definitely can't play with no latency with someone else or sing with someone else with no latency yet. That would be because though you're actually send yes, right. You can't. And, but that would be because you're actually sending that tone right, through as time opposed and to space, just the, right. the quick like the data translation yeah. that, that is almost instantaneous that would yeah. eliminate that. I have no idea how to invent that, but I we got to be close to that. I don't either. Like I'm, I'm trying to think if MIDI is the way to do that or if MIDI creates latency. Well, what if we invented like the, the ultimate 
recording technique from people yeah. all around the world in real time right now. <laughs> well, I'm sure some of your listeners can answer some of these questions better than I, I can. I bet none of them can. But <laughs> <laughs> none of them can. There's uh, at least two people I know I, I, I'll call after this and see what's possible. I do want to play a couple tracks here. for, And I know your record came out last... What, what, we're in 2022 Last now, right? November, yeah. Yeah, so it's been a year or yeah. so. Uh, so before I play a couple tracks here, um, what's are you doing... New Caroline Jones music? Oh, yeah. That's that's what I was going to lead up yeah. to. What What's the deal? Well, I've been writing a lot. We have two songs done, and I've just been, in the last few months, I got into another, like, super creative phase. It's so funny how it comes and goes. Um, but I've been really, really inspired. I've been writing a lot by myself. I've been co-writing a lot in town. Um, and, yeah, I'm going to hopefully finish out at least an EP, hopefully a record, um, December, January, when we're off the road, and um, definitely come out with a new song by January, February, and new music by hopefully spring. Well, let, me play, let me play a couple little wait, because of legal rules. We can only play five seconds now. Yeah. We get sued. <laughs> I know. What we should do is make a speed it way up. <laughs> you should, yeah, like a whole song. Like the chipmunk, the chipmunk yeah, yeah, yeah. sound. <laughs> uh, track eight is What of You. I want to play a little bit of this one. Look at you. What of you? And then give me number 12, Everybody's a Rebel Till They Fall in Love. Okay, so... That one's super Tom Petty. It does feel... like my yeah. nod to Tom Petty. It does feel kind of like... Will you play that again? The drums, the drums sound very Tom Petty. To yeah, me. they, you know, Near Z, who played on it in um, Gus, my engineer, they like really nailed that, like... 70s, 80s, breezy drum sound. Um, everybody's a rebel till they fall in love. That's you. Yeah. Yeah. You, were you, did you write that with anyone else? No. So you write that about you. Yeah. And your perspective. Yeah. And did you feel like you were that rebel and you were never going to fall in love? 100%. I you, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I still feel like that sometimes. I still can't believe I'm married. Um, yeah. That song is just poking fun at myself. Because like I, I've told you uh, several times during this interview, I, I never thought I would get married, never thought I would settle down. I just thought I'd be a musical gypsy my whole life. And I truly thought that my career and my job and how dedicated and committed I am to it just didn't allow for a partnership. And I'm so glad I was wrong. I mean, I just had no idea what a partnership could be. Um, but that song basically just pokes fun at myself for all the things I said I would never do that I, I came mean, around to. I relate to that on so many levels. Same. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Because I didn't get married until I was 40. Never had a yeah. really serious relationship. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I've had to sacrifice a lot and I'm cool with that. I'm just going to keep sacrificing yeah. because I want to be the greatest at what I do. Yes. And I thought, I don't know if I have the capacity for it because I'm so dedicated to this. And also, I don't know if you felt like this, but I was terrified that I would promise someone mm-hmm. something more than I, like in my heart, could really give. Like I, I really thought that I had to give so much to my music and my artistry that I would disappoint someone else. And, and, um, that they would have all these kind of unmet needs and expectations. And I'm really scared of, I was scared of that. Um, but like I said, I was just dead wrong. I just didn't know what partnership was. You know, I've been pretty good about that part. I, I thought the same thing. I've been pretty, I would just disappoint her in other ways now, but I never knew I would disappoint <laughs> her. You know, there's so many other ways. That, that, who knew? Who knew? Okay. Uh, so, so let's, funny. let's, <laughs> uh, the rest of the year, are you out with Zach? Yeah, we're out. We're kind of wrapping up now. And I have a few of my own shows left. Um, and I'm going out for a little bit with Home Free, which will be fun. But yeah, it's kind of wrapping up now. We've been touring since April. So it's been a long tour. Are you tired? 
Or do you get home enough to catch up? Like in the middle of the week? More the latter. Like I, I get home a good amount, but I would say there are pockets where I get really, like the last 10 days, the what crushed us was a couple privates that we booked that like I just kept having to fly mm-hmm. across the country. That kind of crushed me. I mean, we were in um, Arizona, Atlanta, Colorado, Seattle, Montana. Like it was just crazy. So I I, I would say this week has been really tiring because <laughs> then you come home and all the rights and all the meetings and all the good stuff here in Nashville that I want to do that I've scheduled for the one week I'm home, then you're like straight into it. Um, but as I tell tell my manager, like I've only ever dreamed of being this busy. So I feel really lucky. That's so um, funny you say that. I talk about how lucky I am to be this tired all the time. Yeah. It's so, like I've always wanted to be this tired. Yeah. I just want to make sure, I, I just want to make sure I'm able that if a schedule, like I always want to, be able to give my best. I don't want to ever be at a place where I'm so strung out that I feel like I can't give what I need to give. If you had to hit the brakes, I've had to hit the brakes um, yeah. because of that same thing. I'm lucky. I haven't had to do that yet, but I'm sh- you're way busier than I am. You're so. way more talented than I am. I think that's what it is. <laughs> there's, a, there's a difference. You're, no. You actually have skills. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ibera Star Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't get distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. You guys follow Caroline, at Caroline Jones. Um, it, I encourage you to go check out her record, which I wouldn't say because I knew I wouldn't say it right, and I want to act cool enough. That Antivities. I, gonna, I hear you. I'm still <laughs> not going to walk down it. So, uh, But it's spelt antipodes. Yeah. In case you guys, and, and we'll put it up in the notes here for this. Um, I really like the song Matt from Old Dominion at the end. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's a really special, that's my and Nick's story. So many guys? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I hope you guys go and check, check it out and... You know, back in the old days, three months ago, we could have played a lot more music on this, couldn't we, Mike? Yeah. Until the music cops came and said, 
You really? What was the process for that? Well, it's been a slow. It's like a legal. So it's been a, a slow change over the last two or three years because, as you know, the digital space is the wild west until it's not. And mm. all the laws, the sheriffs come into town and all these areas of, in the digital world. And so you can't put on-demand music in a place. Like if I wanted to listen to your music, I have to go to somewhere, I have to subscribe to it being on-demand. Right. But if I put it on this where you get it for free and you just skip for it and you can cut it out. So mostly it's that. You can't put things up that people have to pay for. But is that the idea because this podcast is monetized or is it because like on social media that's all it is it's just because a bunch of unmonetized they pay, they pay music royalty rights for those songs oh, okay, okay. and the difference for this used to be that we could say we were uh what was the term editorial editorial because mm, we're okay. news and that doesn't even work anymore got it well that's actually my biggest I don't want to say fear, but my biggest concern about the future of country music and for this town is like how the heck are songwriters going to get paid in five, 10 years? Yeah. Like, and because as other types of media take precedence over radio or are as influential as radio, because that's how songwriters make money. And even now it's like so competitive to get a single for a songwriter. Um, I just wonder, like songwriters are the entire backbone of this whole industry that is country music. And I just wonder, or I just, I know there's people out in the front lines trying to make it happen, but like the fact that songwriters don't get paid properly for streaming and like is mind blowing yeah. to me. That, that's a big one. Yeah. I have friends that go and testify and they go to DC and I mean, it's going to happen. It just, it, you think, you think it already would have. Mm. Right. Uh, I think it has to happen because honestly, how do all these, there's thousands, there's one thing, there's hundreds of artists, whatever, maybe thousands but there's thousands of songwriters here that all have publishing deals and all rely on this industry to make a living, to like put food on the table and are the backbone of this industry. And yeah, that might downsize a little like labels have or other things have, but they're not really going anywhere. You know, people are always going to write songs here. And, and I think, yeah, I think they're going to have to monetize streaming. I don't see what argument they even have to not. I think pay songwriters that the payment comes if the lobbyists are getting paid enough. Yeah, it's wild to do the lobbying. Yeah, you know, I don't think there's ever anybody in Congress that goes, "Let's just do it because it's right." Sadly, sadly, <laughs> sadly I mean, that's not that's I not know. that's not how really it works. And it's just so. It seems like such an. I mean, this is like a bigger political philosophical conversation, mm -hmm. but like it just seems like such an easy win for a politician to be like. This is right, and it's no skin off my teeth, by the way. Like, what does it do for me either way? You know, yes, I, I'm on your team. Yeah. Completely. But then I also understand where there's a lot of money, and mm. I won't even mention any streaming services because it's all the same, uh, where they're like, wait, wait, we don't want to pay any more money than we have to, right? Right. And if they can fund wonderful lobbyists or wonderful folks mm. to actually fight the other that's all it it's all it's it's yeah. all bottom line stuff. I, I think i'm just too um no you're not too we way. need it i'm too innocent that way like i can't imagine profiting off something that i know other people who are creating it aren't getting paid for. like i just can't it's not in me and i agree with you it's just how do we find the way because i've been asked to speak on some of these things too how do we find the way to incentivize them to change it not because of what the right thing to do is but how it's going to benefit them right the people making the laws need to know that they're benefiting in some way that's it that's it people getting elected are yeah. just getting elected because 
they're only running to, and they're only running, right. they're only staying in office to get elected again. Yeah. So it's how do we incentivize yeah. them to make it a priority? Yeah. And right now they're and being incentivized out incentivized. Streaming, and also incentivize the streaming services to understand that if there's no songwriters, there's no songs, you know? I mean, I know that they feel like they have a hold over everything, but actually this brings me to one more question and I know we're probably oh, you're good. Close to out of time. But um, do you, are you still interested in getting into politics? Because that you know, is it's, a it, swamp yes. to wade into. It is. It's but we need more people who are good, honest people. But I, it seems like it corrupts so many people. Yes. It's, you need people that are good, honest people that don't need the political system right. to want to be in politics. Which is it's rare. A, yeah. yeah. And, so, and it is so gross yeah. right now that I really felt like I had a chance to do it this coming up November when the election mm -hmm. is last year. But it's it's so disgusting. Yeah. And I don't claim to be... You mean like just by like dipping your toe in the water, you kind of saw Completely. things it's that awful. you... It's wow. Really, really awful. And it's all just raising money too. Yeah. It's all raising... It's just raising... Well, that's what's so that's, tough. That's I know. all of it. And then once you get enough money, it is... It's vile. So right. um, what You're I, right because by definition, even to get to a place where someone... Where you're on a ballot... Like you have to raise and spend and kiss butt to get so much money. And even that is corrupt. That's all it is. And then all the people you got money from, okay, well, they expect something because they're not right. just giving you money to to go be a good guy. Mm. Some might. So you need someone that doesn't need to run for office to actually run for office. Right. And who wants to run for office if they wants, don't need to run? Exactly. It's like Bloomberg. Like he he was a really smart guy. Like I, he's pretty centrist, like great head on his shoulders. And he just couldn't get, and he just wasn't polarizing enough. Like mm -hmm. He wasn't extreme enough for everyone. It's just And that's so also yeah. how you cut through, right? Yes. It's like if you want to be on CNN or Fox News or pick any, they don't care about moderates because moderates don't get clicks. And these mm -hmm. are actual news organizations but when I say actual news organizations, they have to make money. They have to right. profit off of ads. Right. And how do you... And they're competing with social media and, and how TikTok. how do you make yeah. money off of ads? It's by getting a number, yeah. by getting a rating point. And how do you get a rating point? You put on polarizing figures. Yeah. And when, when we have these conversations, I just feel like... Sometimes I just feel like, oh my God, we're screwed. Like our, our, our culture is so screwed up. Because it is. It's so messed up. And I everybody have, knows it. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's very entrenched in a lot of systems. It's... Oh, yeah. You know? Everywhere. Yeah. Um, my only hope is that as I, and it's funny how we'll go back to this and I'll, we'll end on this, is that as I talked about the cyclical nature of country music and people going, well, that's not country, that's not country, but it happens over and over again. The same thing happens in politics. I mean, you could look at Vietnam War, you could look at, mm -hmm. where there were times like now where people are like, this is the worst it's ever been and this is probably the end of, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is. End of the world. I didn't, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been, been like, so many times. That's yeah, so you, true. You could go through, there yeah. are four or five things and America hasn't been around that long. It seems like to us yeah. it has been, but no, it hasn't. Not compared to other, we'll call them civilizations, um, empires, however you want to define the link that we've been here seven, you know, not very long, a couple hundred years. Yeah. We've had four or five of these that come back around yeah. where we're like, this is it, this is the end. Um, you can go the wars, you can yeah. go Vietnam, you can go what's Y2K. happening now. All of yeah. this. But what happens is every so often, somebody or something, a very, for the the, the use of this conversation, a centric force mm -hmm. seems to rise. It could be something positive or negative and brings people together. Yeah. Negative will be 9-11. Mm -hmm. We were all on the same team for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, positive, The Rock. 
Mm-hmm. I know, but I'm just saying it could be. It's that it's going to take something unexpected. It's going to be mm. some someone that is kind of unsuspecting that's going to happen to them, and they've got a responsibility or something. And that's a, a meteor coming down, yeah. falling at Earth. I do feel like this young generation is more aware in some ways. I agree. Um, Environment. And you're right about the cyclical nature. Like my dad, that's what he basically does for a living is like look at big systems and, and long arcs of things. And, and he always says that. He always gives me the 40,000-foot view because it's true. Things just come and go and come around again. And human nature. And country music. Yeah, nature and country music. Caroline, I've enjoyed this. Thank you very much. Me too. Thank you so much. I could have done another hour. Me too. Mm -hmm, I could have. I would love to. Um, At Caroline Jones, you guys follow her on Instagram and TikTok and see her out with ZBB. But really, when you get get your new music, let us know. Will do. When you get it, I can't wait to hear it. And it's been a real treat to spend this time with you. Thank you so much. That means a lot. You guys go follow Caroline, at Caroline Jones. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Hyatt Ziva Riviera Cancun at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places.